0: Yes, coming to you live and well from Holland, this is the Pushing Rubber Podcast, episode 117, that's a one, that's a one, that's a seven, Uh, 117 episodes of this glorious entity that is the Pushing Rubber Podcast. Oh, I feel, I feel a warm, a warm sensation of heartiness and love emanating from every pore of my decrepit body. Yes, this is your host with the most, Adam Piggott, the one and only, the impressionable, the hunted high and low by leftist prog fuckwits everywhere. They seek him here, they seek him there. Those prog fuckwits seek him everywhere. How we going, guys? Good to be here after a bit of a week break while I was over in Italy doing Italian things with Italian people. Yes. Um, took off for a week over there and had a good time. Caught up with a lot of old friends, drank a lot of wine, ate a lot of food, talked a lot of shit, and yeah, it was it was, uh, it was was good. Uh, it was very good. Um... I got back last night a lot later than I had intended. Normally the trip from Holland up into Trentino Alto Adige of the uh, Italian Alps takes me about 12 hours uh, from where I am in Holland, in Leiden. And yesterday it took me 16 and a half hours. It was horrific drive, absolutely horrific I left it. my intention had been to leave at 4.30 in the morning, except that the night before we had a a goodbye barbecue with a whole bunch of people who came around. And I was staying at a, um, well, the guy who is a very old friend who is Milo in the first book, and a lot of you were big fans of the character Milo. So I stayed with him and uh, his partner. And they're two uh, twin boys, and um, they've recently bought this house up the side of the mountain. And to call it a house is to be disrespectful because it has five floors. It even has has an elevator inside. Because the guy who uh, it's an old house, like it's probably three or four hundred years old. Like the walls are half a meter thick, as is typical for up there. And this this professor or something had it before them, and. I had this idea of turning into this mega bed and breakfast with like twenty five rooms. So there's something like ten kitchens in this place, and he did it all by hand. And there were all these sliding walls, and it doesn't make any sense. But it's it's halfway up the mountain, and the view is unbelievable. And you know, as Milo said to me, he's like, "Dude, why am I gonna?" And Milo's Australian, his old Australian buddy of me, mine. He's like, "Dude, why am I gonna? Why am I gonna get a house down the bottom of a valley? Why can I look at other houses. I wanna be able to up, you know, up." Looking out, and I think it's about 1,200 metres or something, 1,100 metres is the altitude of this place. And the view is stunning, and we're having a barbecue out there last night. A few problems with the barbecue. We uh, we had the barbecue going, and I was doing all the veggies. Now, you want to start off with onions. Onions is what you want to start off with when you're doing a barbecue. You cut up a lot of onions, and you put them on the grill when people start arriving, and you want them to start eating, you know, because... Gathering people together when the house is this large is kind of hard. Kind of hard. So you want something to bring in the crowd. And the thing that you use on a barbecue to bring in the crowd is the smell of cooking onions. The smell of cooking onions, like a big pile of cooking onions with a lot of good olive oil splashed over the top, will drive grown men. Insane with delirious anticipation of the furious feasts which are to be consumed. So I started off with the onions. We knew the gas bottle had to be changed because it was a gas barbecue. Now I was giving Milo shit about this. So I was like, "Well, why don't you have a you know why don't you have a charcoal barbecue? You know, a briquette barbecue like I have. Eh, you just get dirty. It's too hard." And I says, "No, it's not." It's not hard. It's too hard to like taste too much time. So the problem I have with gas barbecues is, is it's it's a kitchen outdoors. That's what a gas barbecue is. A gas barbecue is simply a kitchen outdoors. That's all it is. You're just you're just cooking outdoors on a, on a hot plate. That's it. But the taste is fundamentally the same as what you would do in the kitchen and as events turned out uh this turned out to be very uh, a good way to to test this theory and it was completely correct so we ran out of gas now we knew we were going to run out of gas we had the second bottle there so we hooked up the second bottle now milo and i had a bit of trouble getting the top off eventually we worked out how to get it off hooked it up beauty no gas and straight away milo was like ah it's fucked it's all gone to crap i was like dude dude calm down calm down it's not that bad we'll work it out well we didn't work it out uh for some reason the gas wouldn't come and uh we tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and more and more people are turning up essentially milo was like dude we're just gonna cook this in the kitchen Now, this is not as simple as it seems in a five-story house even with an elevator so lugging all the stuff back inside into the kitchen, and uh, and then of course the whole point is to have the barbecue. I mean, this is gutting. It was gutting because the whole point is to have the barbecue outside with the amazing view. Everyone's there, like literally, literally the way it's set up. You got you've got the house to your back, the the mountainside in front of you with the valley dropping off uh, this huge steep descent, and you're on this and you're on this uh, deck. With the barbecue there facing out, I mean it is absolutely the best place to have a barbecue I've ever seen in my life. It is shockingly good. I would post up photos, but he's a friend of mine, and it's not. It's, you know, I'll post up photos, and you can identify where it is, but the I won't do that. But uh, trust me, amazing place to have a barbecue. So then to have to go inside and be upstairs on the second floor in the kitchen by yourself pushing fucking sausages around a pan on an electric stove is a, is a bit of a come down from the glory heights of mountain barbecuing that we had. So another guy turned up, a good friend of mine, I'm talking about it, local Italian boy, and he's like, let's have a try. So we try it again, and she takes off. So I'm like, oh my God, it's working. So I rush upstairs to Milo. I'm like, dude, dude, it's all on, barbecue's on. He's like, man, oh my God, amazing, I'm coming right down, and I go down, and I just watch, as I'm cooking, I'm like, why isn't the plate getting hotter, and I'm looking underneath, and, and the gas is just getting lower, and lower, and lower, and lower, and I'm like, oh, no, this gas bottle's just a bitch, it's an absolute bitch, a Troia, as you say in Italian, great word, Troia, bitch, together with ball-breaking bitch, let's make it a ball baking bitch, Troia, also... A Troia is someone who's. it's also like a, Troia is a great word. It's like bitch plus slut plus ball breaking. Ah, oh, it's just great. Great word. So that, that gas bottle was a Troia. And uh, like Troya from Helen of Troy. Helen of Troy? She was the original Troia. That's where it comes from. Troy. Troia. Good on ya, Helen. We've been insulting women for thousands of years because you were such a fucking slut. Anyway. Gee, I love history. <laughs> finally we worked it out after some false starts and milo you know hopes up down hopes up down the gas bottle had been overfilled so when the when the when the gas was coming out it was too cold so what we had to do was we wrapped we wrapped a uh, a towel around the gas bottle head to warm it up And we managed to consume enough gas that then it started flowing correctly and we were off. But there was no real difference in taste between the meat that had been cooked upstairs and the meat was then cooked out on the barbecue. Because a gas barbie is simply, like I said, a kitchen outside. That's all it is. It's just a kitchen outside. Whatever, you know. And Milo was like, oh, dude, it's so hard to start, you know, oh, fucking charcoal. Uh, it's not. You get the chimney. Now, the chimney is this thing that looks like a bloody chimney and has a handle on it. And it's got a, a grating a third of the way down. And you, you put you put your brick... Brickettes are much better. I started off with charcoal. I was a real charcoal guy. But I'm a convert to brick X. And here's a why. Brickettes. Here's a why. A, it's much easier to measure. B... It's much less fucking dirty and mucking around. See, it's much easier to keep a, 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 a constant temperature where you want it. Now, when I, when I slow cook on my, on my barbecue, I like to have it at 225 Fahrenheit. Between 225 and 250, that's, the, that's your pleasure zone, particularly for pork and lamb and those sort of things. That's where you want to have it. With Brequettes, I can hit that every time. With charcoal, it's much, much harder because you've got tiny little pieces of charcoal. You've got big, massive chunks of charcoal. So the heat generated from that is all different. It's all over the place. And you're not going to go in there and break it up by hand because A, you're going to get absolutely filthy. And B, you're just not going to do that anyway because you're going to get absolutely filthy. So, but briquettes, oh my God, briquettes. Pour them in, throw a couple of fire lighters underneath, light it up, 20 minutes later pour that into your barbecue, job done. And that'll last you, briquettes will last you for three hours if they're good briquettes. Good quality briquettes will last you for three hours. And absolutely, absolutely brilliant, brilliant way to barbecue. I I don't consider a gas barbecue to be a barbecue, quite frankly. I don't. I don't consider a gas barbecue to be a barbecue. I consider a gas barbecue to be a kitchen outside. That's all it is. If you want a barbecue, you need need flame. You need flame. Whether it's briquettes, whether it's charcoal, whether it's good old-fashioned wood, whether it's grapevine cuttings from the virgin cantina of the 27 virgins, whatever. But it's got to be a naked flame. That's a barbecue. Gas is not a barbecue. What gas is, is a kitchen outside. And listen, I'm happy to hear any contrary opinions, uh, but I will preempt that by saying that any contrary opinions to this are all wrong. You're all wrong. Because the taste that you get from open flame is completely different to the taste you get from gas or electricity. It's, it's, It's completely different. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry at all. I'm not sorry. I'm absolutely not sorry. So we had a very nice barbecue I had the guitar I took one of my guitars over with me We played tunes late into the night We did Requestville Any request, if I didn't know it I quickly looked it up on the internet On my phone, found the tab Played the song Everyone was happy Uh, Worst request I got was Hotel California Gee, it pains me to play that song That was my worst request Best request was Into the Great Wide Open By Tom Petty It's like, oh that song, that song. So I worked out how to play it. Hang on. And I've never, I've never worked out how to play this song. Or I'm assuming this guitar might be a little bit out of tune. Let's have a shot. Oh, I was pretty drunk that night too. So a lot of red wine. Uh, let me see. Still so remember it? No. That's it. Just recognise that that little chord sequence was stolen recently by a movie or a television show. I remember watching a film or a television show that had this. It's like one of those little... Passing moment should, I think it was a British one Something like From Working title films or Something like that Um But anyway I haven't played the guitar For a long time on the podcast So there you go A little bit of a ah, Snippet of Great Wild Open By Tom Petty Tom Petty You're either You're either a Tom Petty fan Or you're not Um And uh I was a Tom Petty fan Back in the day When I say back in the day We're talking What are we talking Um 30 years ago, something like that. Um, but uh, I, I was a bit of a Tom Petty fan, and uh, I'm actually thinking I might go out and get some of his uh, albums, starting with Into the Great Wide Open, on, on, on vinyl, of course, because um, now that I've uh, left uh, the great ex-wife, um, and she kept the stereo, uh, it was a little CD thingy, it was nothing particular, uh, that was a gift from a good friend. We moved to Australia, but uh, I, of course, have my Bang & Olufsen uh, vinyl stereo. Um, so all my music now in the house is off that. That's what I listen to music on. Um, so I might go pick up some Tom Petty albums. I might do that because you know what? He's just—he's one of those—he's one of those artists that—that that he's a good musician, a good. Uh, he, he was a good musician. He was a good guy. Lyrics are interesting. Yes, it's not highbrow. Yes, it's not going to challenge your expectations. But you know what? A lot of the time when you listen to music, you don't want to be have your expectations challenged or your mind blown. You just want to hear some nice tunes. Into the Great Wide Open. That was a great album. That was a great album. Just for summer afternoons. And the thing is that listening to that 80s kind of early 90s music, it kind of takes me back to that time as well, you know, when I was carefree and stupid and a total beater. Um, so uh, So anyway, we had the barbecue. We had the big night. Let's see if I can keep this on track. Let's see if I can wind it back to where I started off with or not. Um, and uh, my plan was to to leave, get up at 4 and leave at 4.30. And I, I told my mates there that that's my plan and everyone was like you must be crazy what do you want to do that for you can't drive 12 12 hours on five hours sleep so against my better judgment i listened to them and instead of setting my alarm for 4 a.m i set it for 6 uh, which meant i got out of there at six thirty a.m on sunday morning now you would think that that would be okay because I said to, as I said to them on the, on the Saturday night, I said, look, I really want to be the other side of Munich by 9 o'clock in the morning. That's what I want to be. I want to be the other side of Munich by 9 o'clock in the morning. To have any chance of getting to where I need to go, on, you know, getting in. Because if I leave at 4 a.m., I'm home by 4.30. Sorry, if I leave at 4.30 a.m., I'm home by 5 p.m. in the afternoon. And that's, that's still good. You can cruise home. You can unpack the car. You can get some dinner, you can have a beer, you can chill out. It's it's just all good. Um, but I didn't get out until 6.30 on a Sunday. Now, you'd still think 6.30 on a Sunday, you'd be fine. Nope. Um, I got down from Solo down onto, which takes about, oh, about an hour or so on a clear run, which I had a clear run to get down to the main valley in the Artege Valley there near Trento um and you've got the autostrada up to Brenner Brenner Bremer Pass which goes over into Austria to Innsbruck and by the so by the time I got that down there was 7:30 a.m. on a Sunday morning it should have been dead it was absolutely heaving with traffic going the way I was going and I thought Oh my god no So I got up to Innsbruck by about oh I can tell cuz someone messaged me hang on someone WhatsApped what what WhatsApped me uh when I was in Innsbruck when what time that happened that's from Ron nine o'clock I was at Innsbruck and I my original plan had been nine o'clock get the other side of Munich um needless to say I did not get to the other side of Munich anywhere near what I wanted um I should have gone the Strasbourg route but I didn't I went the Munich route even though my GPS was telling me to go to Strasbourg. I was like, nah, because it takes you back up through the mountains and it's windy, 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 windy. And I just had enough. I just wanted to get on the autobahn and blat, go for it. Um, the traffic was horrific. The traffic jams were horrendous. 30 minutes here. Oh, you have 26 wait minutes wait time here. Oh. At one point it told me, that the GPS told me to get off the Autostra. just get off, just get off, just abandon it, in the middle of fucking nowhere, middle of Germany, and I, against my better judgment, I went with it, and it took me on this hell route, which of course, everyone else was on as well, because all of them were telling their, G, their GPSs, were telling them to take the same route, here's the thing, here's the thing, like if you're living in, in the middle of Germany in some nondescript little country village. And suddenly, suddenly on a Sunday afternoon, the road, which is your little country village road, is completely... Because I just went from traffic jam on the autostrada to traffic jam on country village roads because everyone else got off. It's just ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. And it took me back to the A3 again. Uh, I think it was trying to avoid Frankfurt or something. Uh, It was just absolutely, absolute nightmare. I didn't get to Frankfurt until 6pm. And from there, it's still a good four hours. But last night, it was another five. I didn't get back till 11 o'clock at night after leaving at 6.30 in the morning. It was absolutely abominable trip. Abominable, horrendous traffic. And I thought, because I was supposed to leave tomorrow on a Tuesday, and I thought, oh, I'll just go on a Sunday and I just won't hit as much traffic, because only people going back will be you know tourists. Well, everyone was going back. Holy fuck, never making that mistake again. Never going to Italy by car in August again, ever, ever, ever. But I had to take my holidays at this time of year um for the first time in my life i listened to podcasts while i was driving because i managed to work out how to download podcasts onto my phone and then i managed to work out how to bluetooth my phone with my car's entertainment system this is all completely new to me so um aaron clary i was listening to your podcast listen to one of the great ones one as well uh, driving across. And it was kind of bizarre because I think it was his episode three. Uh, uh, what episode was it? I can't remember which one it was. Which ones did I listen to? Let's have a look here. Let's have a look. Um, The Clary Podcast 293. Clary Podcast 303 305. Older Botic Brother Podcast 53 and also listened to one of uh, the great ones podcasts um which was let's have a look here uh stating the obvious repeat 408 the infinity illusion which was weird um but one of the podcasts i was listening from clary um he suddenly began because you know we sponsor each other's podcasts, so Oh, Adam Piggott pushing rather than Ah Adam Piggott. and he started he started calling me a hero, which was a bit embarrassing. It's a bit embarrassing, but then again, uplifting when you're stuck in massive traffic jams. So well, I think at that time I was screaming down the autobahn. Now remember, for all the listeners that don't understand, the autobahn uh, for long sections has no speed limit. You can go as fast. As you want the problem is not going as fast as you want the problem is other cars in the slow lanes deciding that they're gonna pull out and go around someone and they don't check in their rear view mission vision mirror to see you barreling down on them at 220 kilometers an hour which is what I was doing because um, I'm in the nice Mercedes um, relatively new c-class Mercedes with a nice level of horsepower uh and i was gunning it because i was so annoyed at being so late on this trip which didn't help me anyway so you got three lanes mostly a lot of the places it's two lanes so if you're gunning down and you're on the left hand lane doing major speed you've got to really be checking out those cars in front of you your scary point is just let's say there's let's make it simple let's say it's a two lane highway because there are two lane auto barns with no speed limit as well Uh, the scary moments are when you're coming up to someone if you're coming down on the left hand lane and there's someone in the right hand lane who's a lot slower than you but they're coming up to someone who's even a lot slower than them that's the scary moment for you is that person in the right hand lane going to look in their mirror to see you screaming down on top of them and they're going to Wait a second before they, they pull around. Because if they don't, I've seen it happen. The closest I've ever seen to a live accident in front of me that didn't become an accident, and I still to this day I do not know. It was the last, not this trip, but the last one I did. And I was in the middle lane, sitting on about 150 kilometres an hour. Uh, let's, let's, let's make this easy for our American cousins who still use a stupid fucking conversion system. So, kilometres an hour to miles per hour. All right. You're going to give me a fucking converter? Fucking hell. All right. So, 150 kilometres an hour is 93 miles an hour. So, I was sitting in the middle lane. This was the last trip. This the one I've done now. Uh, I was in the middle lane doing about 93 miles an hour and I looked in the rear view vision mirror and I was behind someone who was behind someone who was slow. So there was three of us in the middle lane and I looked in my rear, rear view vision mirror to check before I was going to pull out and go around the two cars in front of me. And I saw this Mercedes coming down must have been doing... 250 kilometers an hour, which is 155 miles an hour. Easy. Easy. I mean, I'm closing along doing 93 miles an hour and you look in your rear vision mirror to see. and it was there was a hill behind us. We've got down a hill. So on my rear vision mirror, I had a lot of, I could see a long way back. This guy was coming in a far, really fast and i was like oh wow he's going fast and then i turned back or i put my eye i'm always looking forward but i bring my eyes back from a review measure down to the car in front of me Ah, uh, the car two cars in front of me and at that point the car in front of me decided to go around the slower car that both of us were behind and in a moment i thought to myself oh my god what is gonna happen here I thought all of this in a split second because that's how fast this car in the left-hand lane was coming down. And then I turned my gaze to the left to see this fucking Mercedes fly past me on full brake lock. This guy did the emergency stop of emergency stops. And it was the close... the, The guy who pulled out should have been should have had the his spare tire gone through the back of his neck but it didn't happen they didn't touch and it, oh my god man oh my god i was just like literally like oh. <laughs> what the fuck to the guy's credit who was in the fast lane he didn't go berserk and he almost died i mean this guy almost died and he was in a suit i mean he must have been in a 300,000 euro mercedes that's why you pay 300,000 euros for a car because it stops like that. That was really impressive. It was one of those Mercedes, the same sports Mercedes that leads the Grand Prix around uh, the pace car, the, whatever it is, uh, the safety car. It was one of those. It's like, oh, wow, wow. Anyway, so that's the scary part about the auto autobahn. Uh, so the fastest I was going was about 220 kilometers an hour, which is, let's have a look. 137 miles an hour. So that's what I was... When I was doing fasty, fasty, fasty stuff, that's what I was sitting on because that's about as fast as I want to push my car. Uh, and that's pretty, pretty fast. Um, and so it was amusing to me listening and my name came up on Clary's podcast uh, where he starts call, calling me a hero for some reason, which was nice, uh, but embarrassing. And then a hero who can't drive. Apparently I sit in the, in the, I sit in the left-hand lane doing the speed limit while i was doing 136 miles an hour and going past people like they were standing still i was listening to clary give me shit that i don't drive fast enough um amusing amusing but hey you know everyone's got to give give someone else their you know someone else their shit um by the way i've got a uh i've got a few things i could give clary shit about but I think they'd cut too close to the bone. So I refrain. I refrain. I just, I just hang on the Irish Spring soap. That's all I hang on. <laughs> I did find it amusing, though, on one of his podcasts. I don't know which one it was. I was listening to it as I was driving across Germany. Where he was, on one hand, at the start of the podcast, he was disparaging people for going out uh, in public dressed like they just got out of bed agreement while then later on the same pro- podcast took great pride in being in declaring that he doesn't shop for his own clothes. he gets his girlfriend to do it because he doesn't care what he looks like. Now look either one of these viewpoints is fine. but when you put them together there's some disparity going on there. there's there's some disparity sorry there's some disparity' there's, it's, it's, it's a bit incoherent. In certain aspects. I just want to say that. I just want to point that out, Aaron. If you don't want people to go out looking like crap, then you have to take more pride in your own appearance and start leading from the front. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, driving... The drive was absolutely horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. I have to say, uh, because Clary did a European road trip a few years ago. Now, this is before he and I kind of... in. Con- came how we're in contact with each other uh, before I wrote my first book pushing rubber downhill available books um but I followed his blog and he said that he was going to Europe and I was living in Italy at the time so I sent him an email and said look because he he'd written out on his on his blog what he intended to do in Europe and I looked at that and did and I was in like a major face palm I was like, oh, god you don't want to do that. Don't don't be so American. So I wrote him a long email and I said, "Look, this is what you want to do. I'm up in Italy. You can come down." And he didn't respond. And I've given him shit about that a couple of times, and I'm gonna do it again. <laughs> anyway, one of Clary's complaints uh, when he came back from Europe because he had a lot of complaints about Europe, but it wasn't what he wanted. It was, it was very it was very disappointing for young Aaron very disappointing. And um, and I was disappointed that it was disappointing for Aaron because if he'd listened to me, he would have had a wonderful trip. He really would have. And and Aaron, any time you want to come to Europe, you can you can stay in my place. I've got I got the house in front of the windmill. I'll pick you up at the airport and we'll go for a drive over to Germany in the uh, uh, no speed limit autobahn. In fact, I'll pick you up in my mate's Mercedes. Because uh, he's got an AGW, uh, Sports Coupe. And that thing goes like a fucking shower of shit. And he keeps saying to me, Hey man, you want to take it to Germany and give it a shot? Aaron, any time you want, just land in Amsterdam, I'll pick you up, and we'll go do a bit of a drive, a country drive through Germany. <laughs> I don't think he'll take me up on that offer, because he's gutless. Um, but I'm one of Clary's complaints. One of Clary's complaints about Europe was that you have to pay to go to the bathroom on the major highways, particularly in places like Germany. Now, in Italy, you don't. Italy, you don't. Uh, But in Germany and Austria, you do. Uh, Holland, you do as well. Holland, you do as well. I haven't been to France. I've never been to France. Can you believe that? All my years in Europe, and I'm literally about a... Three-hour drive from the French border where I am now. I've never been to France. I've got to to go to... Well, I'm going to be going to France for work, actually, at the end of this month. So I am going to be going to France. But I can't can't say for France, but I assume that'll be the same. You have to pay for toilets. It's 70 cents. 70 euro cents. That's what the going rate is to get into one of their toilets. And Clary thought this was absolutely abominable. And I used to share his opinion. So I'm coming in, I'm buying fuel, I'm buying something to eat and drink, and you're going to charge me to have a slash. That's just rude. You know what I mean? That's just, you know, it's just like, where's the service? Where's the service going here? You literally, uh, your, your pit stop um, is a vulture Perched on the side of the highway or the freeway. That's what it is in this respect. There's absolutely no service whatsoever. I've changed my mind on that, and that's after driving in the US. Because in the US, you don't have to pay for the toilets uh on the sides of the roads where you stop to get fuel and all the rest of it, and you know, fuel up, eat up, you know, fuel up the car, fuel up the body, you know. You don't have to pay for the toilets in America, you don't have to pay for them in Australia either. And I got to tell you, uh, the toilets, the bathrooms in the US that I sampled on the side of the roads in service stations, fuel stations, were absolutely horrific. It was like walking into Africa. It was, it was horrific. I mean, there's no way I'd do a number two. Absolutely no way. I mean, so dirty, so disgusting on every way. And the worst part, the worst part of the toilets in the US is even if you wash your hands, it doesn't matter, you're still doomed. And that's because they haven't set it up correctly. In every fucking bathroom that I went to in the US, there was a door with a pull handle. This means to get out of the bathroom, you have to place your hand on the handle and pull. Well, what this actually means is that it doesn't matter how well you wash your hands, because that means naught, because the fact that you're grabbing the handle at every other person, that's had to use that bathroom, has grabbed themselves, means washing your hands was completely superfluous. By grabbing that handle, you are now diseased. Because every fuckwit who didn't wash his hands grabbed that same handle to walk out of there. So it's horrific. Whereas in Europe, not only are the bathrooms spectacularly clean in comparison... But they're designed in a way that from the moment you walk in to the moment you walk out, your hands do not need to touch the surface of anything. So when you stand and have a piss, it's a a sensor, it will flush itself after you walk away. And then you place your hands under the faucet and there's another sensor and it tells you... "Eh." is there's the soap, there's the stuff, yeah. And then you go out. It's either an automatic door or an air door or some other place that you. Or it's just no door, but they've designed it in a way that you know it's still private with no doors. So you walk through, it makes a big difference. For me, bathrooms are really uh, how I check places out. Like you can you can take me to a really nice restaurant or a really nice bar. And it'll look fantastic and the food might be really good and have a good time. But for me, I will know everything about that establishment from their bathroom. From the cleanliness of the bathroom and the design of the bathroom. How well it is, how the bathroom's been designed. Is it a really good bathroom? Let me tell you, if you're going to think about opening a bar and you want to attract girls to the bar so the boys will then buy the girls drinks... Your bathrooms have to be really special for the girls' side of it. Really special. Because that's where it all happens for the girls. If a girl goes into a bathroom and she looks in the mirror and she doesn't look good because the lighting's all wrong and it's all glary and she's... You know what she's going to do? She's going to leave the bar. But if she goes into the bar and soft music playing and it's pastel colours and it looks amazing, and you've got the muted lights, and they're done in that orange-yellow glow, subdued so that she looks in the mirror, and she looks like Queen fucking Cleopatra. She's going out to that bar, and she's hanging on that bar, getting drinks bought for her all night. Bathrooms are huge. The best bathroom I saw in the U.S. was actually a bar in New Orleans that I took Cappy and The Great One to, which they both really liked. We sat outside in the courtyard, had cigars, it was a really hot day. We finished up inside, big mahogany bar. Bathroom, there was a very, very nice bathroom, very good bathroom. And the, the, the establishment was tippy-top-top. Top. So bathrooms are very, very important. So, um, yeah, I, I've got no problem at all with dropping 70 cents in now after what I saw in America. And by the way, Australia is no better. Australia is no better. But I was used to it. I was just used to the fact that bathrooms were totally totally crap uh, in Australia. I didn't know any better, you know. And then I went to Africa and I was like, oh, wow, Australian bathrooms are really good. (laughs) Oh, hang on. I need to refresh the Pinot Noir. Hang on. main reasons I went to the U.S. was to, apart from catching up friends, was to uh, restock my wine cellar. Restock my wine cellar, which was at zero. And this time there is no uh, ex-wife to drink all the red. I think I bought, how many bottles did I, how many bottles did I buy? Hang on. 48 48 bottles I bought 48 bottles uh, 30 red, 18 white and I'm drinking a sensational Pinot Noir and the reason that I stock up over there and that should do me if I'm careful, that'll do me about a year if I'm careful If I'm careful, that'll do me about a year. Uh, Let's be honest, that's not going to do me about a year. Um, Probably about nine months. That should do me. And uh, I think I spent 500 euros or something like that. Um, So, which is around 10 euros a bottle on average. Good wines, really good wines. To get the same quality wine here in Holland, I'll have to pay double that. So it's really worth, even two and a half times that, sometimes. It's really worth going over to Italy and stocking the car up. I thought you bought more than that. I thought I bought 60 bottles. Uh, and You bought 48. Damn. Mm. So, um, yeah, got a lot of wine. Um, and it was a good time, it was a good time, um, but I'm glad to be home, and I have another week off work, and that's kind of how I wanted it, I had about five days off from work, I've taken three weeks in total, I had about five days off, then I jumped across to Italy, because I left on the Friday, so I got back on the Sunday, and now I've got another week off, it's Monday today, uh, and that's the way I like to play it, and this week is just going to be a bit of a. I got a bit of work to do. Uh, work finishing up the blog. Work on my next book. Work on a couple of projects. I'm doing some um, bit of copywriting for someone. Uh, I'm going to write a vision statement for a company. Uh, get that all sorted out for them. So I just got a bit to do, but also I just want to have a bit of a bit of a downtime at my own place. And it was re- oh. so I got home last night, eleven o'clock. Absolutely fucked. Absolutely fucked. And it was just really nice coming back to my place. Because it's a really cool place that I've got here. I've really managed to land on my feet. And I feel like a bit like this trip over to Italy has been like a bit of like a closing of the chapter, a major chapter in my life but it really felt like a closing we were we were sitting outside at the barbecue i was playing on the guitar everyone else was singing and having a good time it's a little group thing it wasn't like playing the guitar like i'm taking over the whole thing it was just like everyone was like yeah get the guitar do that yeah and i was just taking requests but then occasionally i'd just break a song out of my own <clears throat> and uh, I, uh, I suddenly remembered a song, a cover song by a band called Cake. Uh, I don't know if any, many of you know of Cake. Uh, I don't think they've released anything for 15 or 20 years, but fantastic band, even though I suspect they were seriously of the lefty persuasion. Uh, US band... Uh, and they did a cover version of I Will Survive. Dun, dun, dun. And I really like that cover version. I, play, I play it, So I play it, I Will Survive, the way they do it. And I haven't played this song in years. Like, literally, the last time I played this song, the, the band that I had in Italy, we used to play this song. So that's nine years ago. So I played that song... And I was halfway through no, I was a third. I was the first verse into it and everyone was like cheering and I got to the end and Milo said to me he went, "Dude, this is your song. this is your song. And it's like, yes, for the ex-wife, this is this is the song. I will survive. How does it go? At first I was afraid I was petrified. Kept thinking how I would live without you by my side. And blah blah, 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 Walk out the door. And I was singing, man, and I was singing it, and everyone around me, every single person around me, people that I love to death, people that I've got... Well, Milo, I have 25 years of history with. A lot of people that i had 20 years of history with. Um... And everyone was cheering it on. And it just felt like, like a catharsis moment. And something had lifted off my shoulders. And today I got up and I feel different. I do. Um, I really feel like I've closed closed the chapter, as it were. I'm not 100% over the whole thing. Um, you still get the moments, in in the least expected moment, everything that you've lost and everything that happens hits you like a brick from nowhere. And you can literally be in mid-sentence with another person and suddenly the, the conversation you've been having in your head has reminded you of something else and blah, 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 and suddenly, boom. But I do feel like this trip and that moment—it just like turned a whole, a whole corner. And uh, that's important. That's important. Very, 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 very important. I'm actually going to write a post on uh, how to how to survive divorce, because I feel. Just writing it down so I don't forget. Nothing worse than someone on a, you listen to someone on a podcast going, I'm going to do this. And you're like, oh yeah, I really want to read that. And then I uh, forgot. So I've written it down. I'm going to write something on how to survive divorce because uh, I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> I'm not going to get personal on it. I'm not going to get... And I've, I've really tried my damnedest to maintain throughout this whole episode and it's been coming up to 10 months uh i've really tried hard to maintain um not giving out personal details because i just think that's not disrespectful well, disrespectful to myself, not not to her. I don't care about that. But to myself. There's no need to go into details. I'm not calling a name. The ex-good wife is perfectly fine. That's as far as we need to go on it. Um. Yeah, I Will Survive. Good song, by Cake. I might link it on the... Uh, might the video. I'm pretty sure there must be the video on YouTube. I was going to call this a road trip episode. Fuck it, we'll call it the "I Will Survive" episode. Hey, shout outs, Captain Capitalism. Uh, well, I've been shouting out to him for most of the podcast, guys. You know where he is. If you don't, CaptainCapitalism.blogspot.com, the Manosphere's economist, got himself a niche area there. Apparently, he's going to start writing romance novels. Huh. Cappy, the editor that I worked on for Pushing Rubber Downhill and Run Guts, Pull Cones, specializes in romance novels and works for one of the major romance novels publishing houses and editor. Um, and Cappy was saying that he's going to write a romance novel. It's a good idea. I think you can make serious coin that way. Um, there's a book that you want to read, Cappy. It's um, it's called. Who killed the cat? I think, or something like that. Hang on, let me look. 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 look. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Who killed the cat? Is that what it is? Who? No, it's not who killed the cat. Uh, no. I can't remember. I can't remember. There's a book. It's about it's about basically how to structure um your stories um, in a fiction sense. So how, how the whole thing works with your beginning, middle, end, your, the point you take it up to, your resolutions, all that sort of stuff. Uh, oh, it's killing me that I can't remember the name of this book. It's absolutely killing me. It's absolute. I'll, I'll find out and I'll put it in the show notes, Cappy, so you can check it. But um, Cappy, I really think if you're serious about writing romance novels, A, you should be working with my editor because he's fucking good. And that's what he specializes in. And B, you need to read the book that I'm crapping on about now because it will save you a lot of pain. There is a, it's a formula. It's a complete formula. Romance novels are a complete formula. The thing is this, this formula though is the same for all major fiction works, uh, movies, television series, you name it. Um, The formula is all the same. So um, I'll link that for you, Cappy. Um, I'll find out what it is and check it out. Um, Check out Cappy's books and his uh, YouTube channel. I can't wait to read a romance novel from Cappy. I think that'd be awesome. Um, And um, he's a good guy, uh, even if he does give me shit about driving in the left lane, slowly. Um, And check out my books, Pushing Up Down Downhill and Run Guts Pull Cones. Leave me a review, if you would. I've sold something like 25 books in the last month. Like, I get about a book a day, and I've got one person who's left a review in the last six months. It's ridiculous. Um, so, come on, guys. Um, what's the latest review? Someone's left me a review. It's a new one. Let's go most recent. <coughs> Fun and exciting story. August 10th. You can relate to Adam and his adventure. It's well written and the story is good. Now, five stars. Thank you very much. Victor, thank you. The review before that was December 29th, 2018. So it's taken me eight months to get another review. Come on, guys. I'm selling a book a day. Come on. Come on. Give me some reviews. These are important. These are really important because they determine basically where you sit. Where you sit, hugely important. So, um, you know, come on, leave me a review, It'll be good. Uh, subscribe to this podcast, subscribe to my blog. Uh, don't you get changing. Been fun hanging out with you guys. Episode 117, I Will Survive episode. Um, And you guys be good. I'll talk to you next week. Ciao.